Life Solved. In this podcast, we look at the University of Portsmouth research that's changing our world. Today, we're finding out how an arts archive is capturing personal experiences so that future generations can understand our times through human stories. We'll also hear how illustration is an important tool in managing mental health, communicating ideas, expressing diversity and sharing experiences. It felt like I was able to have a space where I could do exactly what I wanted to and publish it or not publish it myself. And it is it, it's like suddenly being in control of your own sort of distribution and your own marketing. If you've never heard of a zine, you're about to find out exactly why these mini publications are offering invaluable insight into human and personal experiences beyond the mainstream media. Portsmouth researcher Dr. Jack Beatty is behind an enormous archive of material. Let's find out more. A zine is a printed booklet that's often self-published by the creator. Zines can feature original artwork from illustrators or borrowed images and writing. They're created by fans, groups and collectives of people who want to share in a conversation or express something using a visual format. They're usually not-for-profit. One such zine creator is illustrator Jack Beatty. And Jack's passion for making these small, often beautiful publications hasn't stopped there. She's created Zenopolis, a collection of art zines, including graphic novels, pamphlets and other publications. She told us more. Zenopolis started around about 2007 because I had a vast collection of zines and comics, self-published material by students, staff and other practitioners in the field. And I really had nowhere to put it or catalogue it or store it. And it felt like lots of disparate elements. I set up Zenopolis as an art zine collection that we could house at Portsmouth. I wanted to capture that material and kind of keep it for future researchers, keep it so that I could use it in teaching and learning. And I also was making zines as part of my own research as an illustrator, as a visual practitioner. You might be wondering what sort of research can be done using zines as the source material. Jack explained the cultural, personal and social insight these creations give us into a time and place. It's just like a snapshot of, you know, thoughts and feelings. I have generally focused on art zines and design and I work in illustration. I run MA Illustration as well. So I'm tending to look for zines that have high visual content. So generally the visuals will be of a larger proportion than the text. Some will be visual only, so they may include comics, um, narrative sequences, cartoons, artworks, occasionally illustrated poetry, but generally it's much more sort of visual communicators. I mean, many of these items are quite ephemeral in nature, so many of them are kind of would be made and gifted to a friend and may be kept or may be lost. So it's kind of quite fleeting and quite a lot of the stories are quite personal. It's funny looking back because... We've got some zines that talk about things like Brexit, but they're also talking about key issues in the UK, so the credit crunch, particular historical, or now historical issues, because they're so contemporary, and people make them and can publish them within days, essentially, you can make it very quick. Unlike academic publishing, you can get a real feeling of mood and the flavour of the time from them. And I know some museums are collecting things like process spanners for the same reason in that, you know, normally they would be thrown away. But actually, it's a good measure of mood. 
So I think the zines in the same way are kind of showing that kind of development. Generally, you, you go straight to the voice of the creator. So, you know, their moves, their journey and their sort of experiences can go directly into your hands. And the, the lovely thing about the zines, many of them are printed. We have mostly sort of print versions. So they really do feel like quite a special moment and a connection with someone else. You know, since it's an artifact that can be carried, it can be shared. Some of them are actually meant to be sort of shared and swapped or given away as gifts. So they're not made to make money. They're generally a way of just connecting. And that's quite important with Zine. And some are really, you know, incredibly honest and you feel very privileged that someone's allowing you to read their personal story. But there seems to be something quite liberating for the makers in that, in that maybe it is about putting control back into that personal story. So that is your story to share and it's your story to, mm. you know, um, illustrate and you're in control of the narrative rather than always being swept along by circumstances or organisations or institutions. Understanding the human experience through art and culture is not only a historian's work. Jack says the current zines are exploring young people's perspectives as well as issues such as health and mental health. So not only do zines give a snapshot of this moment, they provide a real-time human-to-human communication and connection, something that's been ever more important during the isolation of the pandemic. Jack says zines also create a language where words sometimes fail and can even bring light to difficult situations. I've also been fascinated with the way we can use humour to explain sort of emotion. And so especially things to do with mental well-being, again, when we're looking at things like sort of stress or burnout, using kind of elements of humour to, to take the alarm out of the situation, but to give people a different coping mechanism. You know, because humour can be a very effective coping mechanism. And used carefully, it can make people sort of feel a bit more in control again of their situation. I think that's the important thing with zines is that they are, they are made to share. So, you know, although it might be that you're sharing with a very small group of people, or it might be just your friends, or maybe just your family that you're trying to share something with, quite often people share much more broadly than that. So they might share through things like Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, etc. But really it is that idea of sort of connecting to a, a group of people that also understand or may feel they need help. Since the dawn of print, small-scale guerrilla publication has been a way in which people can communicate ideas and build solidarity upon current issues. And it's no different with zines today, which cover everything from veganism to general politics, sexuality and alternative perspectives on mainstream media issues. The evolution of technology has only powered more and more creation. One of the problems with sort of mainstream media is there tends to be the same sort of narratives come through you know and again it would depend on what's sort of on trend I suppose or again what people are paid to write essentially but with zines you don't have that because it's not funded by anyone so people are just writing about what they're interested in recently I mean we've had a lot of zines looking at environmental issues like sort of climate change obviously you know these are sort of key topics that you would expect to be coming through and indeed they are which the spin-offs from that means we're looking at a lot of animal welfare zines there's quite a lot about sort of veganism or factory farming, meat production. There's a really lovely one called the Fowl Egg that's about battery chicken farming. You know, and it basically the, the person who did that did have experience of a battery farm as a person who worked. The sequence is, is an illustrated narrative from the point of view of the chicken. And so it's a really lovely, almost like a children's story, but with a very dark 
theme running through it. And you you really do live the life of the chicken through this kind of illustrated zine, which is great for making people change their opinions. Zines really started to become really popular with the invention of the photocopier. So basically, you know, somebody had a photocopier at work and it suddenly means that you can now be a printer, whereas before that you had to pay for a printer. So photocopiers essentially liberated people in, in terms of making publications. Then you add to that sort of desktop publishing, that you've got software that means that people can lay out and they can digitise, you know, which is, is wonderful, actually. It does mean that it becomes so much easier for people to be able to reproduce things and essentially put it into a sequence and print it. So... Then we've kind of go into more sort of social media where the actual sharing of this now becomes possible in a much wider sense. So rather than sharing among a sort of niche group and quite often things like sort of um, feminist zines or punk zines or music zines, they, they might have been shared within a group of fans or a group of friends. Suddenly with Facebook, etc., you can now share with the whole world. So it's, it's quite a different kind of feeling. There's still quite a lot of collections that are wholly based on print, though I have got some PDF scenes, and there has been more of that, especially in the pandemic here, as you can imagine. It seems like people still prefer a tangible artefact that you can hold in your hands. It's great to have more and more creative opportunities through tech, but sometimes there's nothing like the experience of holding something beautiful in your hands. The smell of fresh print. Mmm. The collection at Xenopolis is enormous and diverse. Jack collaborated with libraries and other collections, building a network of fellow enthusiasts to grow the collection here in Portsmouth. Once the zine collection has started, we rapidly got up to three or four hundred artefacts, yeah. which are all limited editions, some of them editions of 50 or editions of 10, and in some cases just one-offs. So it's a sort of remarkable collection that, that grew very quickly. And a network with other collections. So I joined the Zine Librarians Collective because I'm not a librarian, I'm an illustrator, I'm a practitioner. It was really good to get some information from things like the Barnard Zine Library, the Wellcome Trust, Glasgow Zine Library, and people are very generous in this particular field. So a lot of that information is shared and there's a very sort of strong network of people looking to support zines and storing zines, working with them as researchers but also as practitioners and actually making and sharing these as well. So it's a really delightful community to be part of. Jack's own experience of creating zines came from long rail commutes back in 2006 and throughout the credit crunch period. She found this way of interpreting the world through illustration fed her work in a really positive way, in addition to creating a more personal record. So get a bit bored with reading on the train you know was my so I was kind of drawing on the train rather than reading and taking a sketchbook on felt pens and it was lovely because I found I was just sort of drawing what was happening around at the time so the content is the world isn't the world you're in and so I was drawing overheard phone conversations that you hear on the train drawing people on the train and just as the everyday things that happen the free newspaper which is quite terrible in the UK you know, again, the stories and the headlines from that, which are generally inspired to wind people up. And so again, how they turned into something kind of amusing. And it was strange because the more I sort of shared it with people, the more I found that I was getting a better connection and more feedback than I ever had as a commercial illustrator. Oh. So it sort of changed the direction of my work, you know, in a quite a radical way. And funny looking back now, because I am on issue number 21, that I have got zines about the credit crunch and quantitative easing 
you know, and the royal, royal wedding, the royal baby. And it's all the things that happened in Britain looking back. And I look back now and it feels like a little 20 year potted history. Jack says that by collecting zines in all their diversity and minutiae, she's adding more permanence and posterity to otherwise fleeting human experiences. She thinks drawing and zine creation for expression can provide really helpful personal strategies for managing change and mental health. Here's an example of how one person's experience became useful to many. A student made a zine called Panic, and this one is about post-traumatic stress disorder. And the, the zine is really beautifully illustrated with little incidents that no one tells you. So, for example, one of the illustrations was about smartphones, saying that if you're undergoing a panic attack, it's really difficult to make a smartphone work because you can't get the touch button to work or your hands are too sweaty for the touch button to work or you can't see clear enough, put the, press, the code in. So actually, as an a emergency phone, it's really quite bad in some scenarios little incidents like that you would not get in a public information leaflet but the nice thing with that is he did share his work online and was actually very generous in sharing this very personal experience but with a wider audience for the point of trying to help other people it's it's again it's a comes from a very sort of generous positive space but this was also picked up by mental health england and they interviewed the student and then promoted the work on their website so it went out to more of their sort of team catchment that they were looking for so strangely, something that started personal as a zine became something that was much more widely published and circulated. Students at Portsmouth are able to visit and lose themselves in the Xenopolis collection in person. But if you'd like to take a look yourself, you can go to xenopolis.blogspot.com. You can also find out about submitting your own work to Xenopolis there. Thanks for joining us for Life Solved. If you want to find out more about research at the University of Portsmouth, go to the website port.ac.uk. We'll be back next Thursday with another story of how work that's happening here is changing all of our lives for good. Catch you then.